1: What is up, dolphins fans, and welcome into the Friday, December the 13th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football, and on today's show... Brian Flores is a coach that serves his players. Steven Ross with a refreshing vision on his football team in the future. And Raekwon McMillan's fit and leadership going forward. Plus, we're going to lock it up and get to a whole bunch of your questions via the Twitter mailbag. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL, voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at Locked On Fins. We'll follow you back. And of course, check out lockedondolphins.com. We have the preview up on the website right now and working on a new piece for next week, taking a look at all the premium resource pieces at each position this team can go after in the draft, free agency. We got plenty of new content for you guys. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we start today's podcast with some sound, and it comes from Coach Flores. And I know this is a couple of days old, and it probably seems innocuous to some, but I wanted to play this sound clip from Brian Flores and present it in the ultimate juxtaposition of the previous coaching staffs here in Miami, namely the last one that was here. And here is Coach talking about what it means to be a football coach.
0: I think that's what coaching is.
1: Uh, It's about service. Um, we got to I want to help those guys, you know, become better football players, better, uh, you know, citizens to the world, you know. So um, I I feel like I've got to be, try to be an example of that. Um, And our coaching staff has, you know, I think tries to do the same thing. So uh, that's what this is, that's
0: what coaching is, in my opinion. You know, we're teachers, we're educators, and we're here to serve other players.
1: And I think my favorite part about that sound clip and all the stuff we've seen this year from Brian Flores and his coaching staff is the things that we heard about him that he came out of his own mouth, I should say, from back in February when he got hired have been the same. He's been consistently on the same plane, preached the same message. He's been the same guy every single day. And when you have that mentality, it makes it a lot easier to play for that guy because they know what the expectation is. And there's a certain level of trust and a bond that gets built there between player and coach and. And that's how you get these guys that come into the league and have nothing but 100% pedal to the metal, want to do whatever they can to make that guy happy and play for that guy. It's the type of coach that you have. And we've all had this guy growing up that you just could not stand the thought of letting that person down. And I think that's what Brian Flores is. So... You guys continue to hear me talk about this, but I am just so excited about who Brian Flores is as a man, as a football coach, and most importantly for this podcast, who he is as the Miami Dolphins head coach. There's a couple of pieces up on the Miami Herald that caught my attention on Thursday, and we'll start with the latest from Barry Jackson regarding the season of linebacker Raekwon McMillan, who Coach Flores says is beginning to come into his own as a player, and the first note from the article is a quote from Coach Flores who says, there are four players that have established themselves and taken ownership of this team, and they are Ryan Fitzpatrick, Daniel Kilgore, Devon Godshaw, who, by the way, was named as the team's representative or nominee, I should say, for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So good for Devon. And the fourth guy on that list is Raquan McMillan. And Coach continues on with that quote about McMillan, saying that guys feed off his energy, he's worked really hard, and I'm happy to see that leadership start to show itself on a day-to-day basis. And this is an aside from the Jackson article, but it brings me back to when Jerome Baker was drafted here, and he told reporters that when he first got here, and also when he first got to Ohio State, that he would look to Raquan McMillan to help him get lined up, to relay his job. So Raquan's always had that quarterback of the defense, he's always been that leader type of mentality and here's probably the best part of the entire article when he wasn't playing well and he approached coach Flores back in training camp when he was banged up and not playing much what he could do to get better and that was when he was hurt so the cutthroat answer was it's just about what you can do and how much can you do and Nick Millen mentions that one of the knocks on him coming out of college into the pros was his lack of versatility and how that's just not going to fly in this defense because if you expect to play a lot but if you're only a part of two of the 10 defensive packages for that specific week, then you're just not going to play. So versatility remains the name of the game on this defense and on this team. And again, to reiterate and drive the point home, it's been a consistent message from day one all the way through now. And where else there's been a consistent message is up in the owner's box. And this other article comes from the other writer at the Miami Herald talking about Steven Ross's refined, refined approach compared to how he used to approach owning the Miami Dolphins about how they used to take free agents and expect those guys to have an impact on the other players younger or less known players from the name standpoint and how that didn't work they couldn't just buy that leadership they had to develop that culture and that leadership and that was the first message the first part of this rebuild was to establish that culture under Brian Flores and Ross mentions and this to me is the marquee quote from the article up on the Miami Herald that you have to have two things in this league you need a coach and you need a quarterback quote. We've got the coach end quote Ross says. And as I've been saying for some time now, this is an organizational belief, not a fabricated one, like the one that had the audacity to call Adam Gaze, the next young Don Shula. This is legitimate. It's genuine. It's believed from the top down. So again, I'll make the claim once more that this is the right guy to get this team back to the prominence we used to enjoy for so many years as fans of the Miami Dolphins and that's a perfect segue into our next topic the lock of the week you better lock it up you lock it up lock it up up. up. and the lock of the week this week is a two-score victory for your Miami Dolphins at the New York Giants look The Giants are likely to trot out Eli Manning at quarterback for this game, and I've seen several shared opinions on Twitter that he will somehow spark this team with an energy and make the Giants a better football team than the one we saw play that horribly, horribly boring game on Monday Night Football. And look, I'll put it to you like this. We all love the movie Weekend at Bernie's, but you don't want Bernie playing quarterback for you. And that's who Eli is at this stage of his career. He's the dead guy from weekend at Bernie's. Brian Flores is going to stomp that offense out and leave Bernie on the couch while he goes and has a drink at the party. Meanwhile, this Dolphins offense continues to at least move the football, regardless of who is out there. I happen to think Parker and Wilson are going to play in this game. So the lock of the week is the Dolphins by at least eight points on Sunday over a quarterback who should have retired about four seasons ago. And if you're no longer a lock when it comes to the most important part of a romantic evening, or even if it's not a romantic evening and you're just trying to stay in the game to slap your body on a stranger's you just met at the bar, then you've got to check out Blue Chew. Listen up, fellas, BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue, Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, BlueChew is the fast and easy way To enhance your performance. They're made in the USA. And since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. And the best part of all. No more awkwardness. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. It's prescribed online by licensed physicians. So no going to the doctor's office or waiting in line at the pharmacy. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com, promo code Locked On, all caps, one word, to try it today for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On
0: Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: We are officially at the stage of the calendar year where there is just one football game on Saturday the Army-Navy game, the classic. I bet on this game every single year. Always take the under because these two teams run the football 45 times a game, and it's always going to be bad weather, so take the under. That's what I'm doing. I have been left home alone this weekend, and what a terrible weekend for her to leave me alone, my wife, because there's no football on Saturday to sit there and watch for 12 hours, so I'm left to my own devices. She's going to a bachelorette party, but as the babysitter because she's pregnant and can't enjoy in the festivities, so I am stuck home alone all weekend with nothing to do. Let's go ahead now and jump into the Twitter mailbag. You guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter. You respond with your questions, and I answer them here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And if you asked about Tom Brady, just go back to yesterday's podcast. We had a whole segment about it, so no Tom Brady questions here on the mailbag. First one here comes in from Alejo Vidal. He's at Alejo Vidal on Twitter. Who would you expect Miami to take as reclamation projects Maybe the linebacker, Hassan Reddick. Well, I actually liked Reddick a whole bunch coming out of college. I thought the Cardinals overdrafted him in that particular draft class, but I would probably just look more at positions because I can't go through the rosters right now and give you a bunch of names, but they have been very adamant on overturning both the offensive line and the defensive backfield. I think that's kind of Josh Boyer's forte here. As the cornerbacks coach, he's going to bring guys in, see if they fit his system and his scheme and can communicate the defense. And the same is true for Brian Flores. He's in involved in that as well but it looks like that's how they want to go after I mean we've seen Ken Crawley Xavier Crawford Adrian Colbert Stephen Parker Ken Webster Ryan Lewis all these guys have been brought in and they've been given some run on the defensive backfield they're going to overturn that spot of the roster until they find guys that work and then on the other side of the ball it's the offensive line we saw it during the offseason with Danny Isadora who was traded for Evan Baum wasn't a reclamation project but he wasn't a big-time starter So they've been going after that position as well. And especially with the Giants guy from the practice squad, Evan Brown, they've brought over several guys to overturn both those positions. I think that's the best spot to look. Next question here from Sorty at Fins or Die. How often do you use Blue Chew? Well, the wife's pregnant, so there's your answer right there. Next question from Will, at underscore Will Reeves, underscore... Top five first-round prospects you don't want for Miami, not including quarterbacks. So outside the quarterback position, which prospects do I want to shy away from? I think I'll go ahead and just use the running back position in general with DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor because I don't think the value is there in the first round in this year's draft class. I think whether you go Zach Moss or J.K. Dobbins or whoever you might want to go after later on in this draft presents you more value. So we'll go ahead and say DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor as two of those guys. I'm not really a big Grant Delpit fan. I think he's not willing enough to tackle and throw his body around to be a fit in this defense. So we'll go to two running backs, Grant Delpit, and as much as I actually like Tyler Bayadash as a prospect, I don't think he's a first-round center in that group. I think that both Creed Humphrey and Nick Harris are better options than he, so I'll put him as the fourth. As far as the fifth, let's just go ahead and use the receiver position. Again, I think this team is probably set at wide receiver, and then the value of the class is later on in the draft, just like it is at running back. So I know that's kind of a shortcut, but Grant Delpit I think is a great name for that, Tyler Bayadash, and then the running backs and receivers should give you five names. Next one here comes in from Orange Finn 44 at jshu2313. Better beard, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Santa Claus? Well, we have to go back to the answer from last week. Who's throwing more touchdown passes for the Miami Dolphins? Give me Fitzmagic and his beard all day long. This next one comes in from Nick Imperato at Nick underscore Imperato. I just started following you over the last year. How did you feel about Adam Gaze after his first year? Well, I actually liked Adam Gaze a lot because he got a lot out of a roster that was awfully banged up and injured to the point where they had street free agents playing in the defensive backfield and at linebacker. But again, that season was propped up on so many freak circumstances, oppositions missing field goals, a pick six at the end of that Chargers game. That team never should have gone to the playoffs. If Rex Ryan just goes for it on a fourth down in that Christmas Eve game, that probably doesn't end in a Dolphins win either. But I mean, he had a really good first season with Miami. I thought he was calling up enough shot plays to create big, explosive plays out of an offense that really didn't have the ability to sustain drives with the way that it was constructed. But I also bought into all the endorsements that he got from around the league, whether it was John Elway or Peyton Manning or Wes Welker. So many folks thought so highly of him that I thought, I'll just trust those guys, and now you come to learn that doesn't. Really mean a whole lot. So I was a big Adam GaSe fan at first. He really lost me in that 2017 season. Next one from Danny Fracasi at Frac on Twitter. What rank do you have the potential college quarterbacks that could come out, including seniors and early entries? I think you mean like what round grade would I give them? I have Tua and Joe Burrow as the surefire first-round draft picks right now, I believe personally that Jordan Love is a first-round quality prospect as well because even though you might have to sit him for a year, I I say it over and over again here on the podcast, he does so many things I've just never seen before, and I kind of want to see how that gets followed through at the next level. And while I caution teams that don't have quality coaching staffs or even staffs that would have the forethought to make a plan in place for Jordan Love, to develop those skills that he has to get sharper at the next level. I trust this coaching staff to do that because I'm sitting here watching Ryan Fitzpatrick throw to Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford and Durham Smythe and move the ball for 360 yards because of Chad O'Shea's scheme that gets those guys wide open. So I trust this coaching staff to make that happen. So he has a first round grade for me. I think Justin Herbert's a great spot in the second round. I know he won't go that far back because teams will fall in love with the physical traits. I just know who Justin Herbert is and it's not a franchise quarterback. I don't have Jacob Eason in the first two days of the draft. I think he has an inherent flaw to retreat against pressure, so he's a day three pick for me. Jalen Hurts probably in that same round, even though he'll go on day two. I think Jalen Hurts is more of a day three quarterback because while he could give you an offense you can build around the running game, he he's not a good passer of the football. His inaccuracies are way, way more legitimate than any concerns Lamar Jackson ever had, and I think that's actually factual with Jalen Hurts, whereas it wasn't with Lamar Jackson, so I put him in day three as well. And then who else is there? Yeah, so I'll just go with Burrow, Tua, and Jordan Love as my round one quarterbacks. Next question here from Juice at Alpha 1721 Will Kilgore still be the starting center? Evan Bame has looked good taking over for him. I thought so too. I had a chance to catch up with Evan after the Jets game when I was down there in Miami, and he spoke about playing the center position and how much he liked playing that spot. I think it's his best spot going forward. As far as Daniel Kilgore, look, Yeah, he's going to be the starting center there as long as he's here. We'll see if he's back in 2020, but Brian Flores has continued to praise him for his leadership and all that stuff. But Kilgore has inherent flaws in his game where he can't really reach a backside one tech or he can't really hold the point against a powerful bull rush of a bigger nose tackle like a Steve McClendon or Quentin Williams. I think you can do a lot better than either of those guys at the position. And that's going to be a spot the Dolphins have to really focus on in the offseason because what do the Patriots always have? They're always strong at center, quarterback, middle linebacker, defensive tackle, and safety. You want to build a football team from the middle out Rest in peace, Silicon Valley. And that's how they're going to do it here in Miami, I think. Build this team from the middle out and make it strong up the middle of the football team. And so Daniel Kilgore, to me, is not a part of that mix. And I don't know if Evan Bame is. I think Bame at best, is probably your sixth offensive lineman off the bench. Next question here from delfines de Miami. That's at Dolphins underscore MX. You do a lot of work with video breakdowns, draft analysis for the Dolphins as you started as a fan. Once it becomes your job, and if you cannot cover the Dolphins, what scheme, coach, or team would you like to do with the same passion as you do with the Dolphins now? That's a great, great question. And it's got to be the Washington State Cougars with Mike Leach. I think the air raid is one of the more fascinating play schemes there is in football right now because it really is just 8 or 10 plays they cycle through over and over again out of different packages. And it's all about throwing the football to a space That you've created because of your scheme and an opening that way. And the quarterback has to know what coverage is going to give him what space to throw the football to. And I find that very fascinating. But the part about it that I don't like is the lack of commitment to the running game to kind of offset some of the issues you might have, for instance, against the Washington Huskies when we get smacked in the Apple Cup every single year. So I would be intrigued to try to find out How can you incorporate more of a running game into the air raid? I know that's kind of counterproductive in the sense of what the air raid is, but I think they're leaving some meat on the bone that way. So it's got to be the Washington State Cougars and the air raid because I think both of those things or the air raid rather is the way of the future in the NFL with what we're seeing right now with Kyler Murray in the desert, maybe even Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City and those teams that have those high flying offenses built around the air raid system. All right, we're going to come back on the other side and get to more of these mailbag questions. But first, if you are home alone like me for Army-Navy, you guys got to check out my bookie because if you're the type of football fan that knows the game so well, you could pick any game, even Army-Navy, and call it. MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, the start of college hoops, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with MyBookie. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag where nobody gives you more ways to win than they do take it from me. There's nothing like watching a game with some skin in the game. And if you're tired of watching from the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back on the game. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit 2000 bucks, you get an extra 1000 and in free money to play with. Just use promo code LOCKED ON. that's all caps, one word, to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LOCKED ON to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit mybookie.ag today.
0: You play, you win, you get paid.
1: So I've been asked this on Twitter a few times now. We are going to be arriving in Miami next Thursday night. I think it's a red eye we're taking. So we'll be there all day Friday and Saturday. I'll be there with my former co-host and good buddy. First time I'm going to meet him, Kevin Dern at KevinMD4. You guys should know him from the podcast. He and I are going to be in South Florida for the weekend for the Bengals game. My wife and I will stay through Christmas. So if you guys want to come join up and get a beer, hang out, watch some football, please reach out to me on Twitter and let's go ahead and make that happen. My wife and I probably will find some spots to watch bowl games because we both love bowl season. We just filled out our brackets. I have a friend who runs a bracket every single year. You take every single bowl game, you pick the winner, and if your team wins, you get the point differential. If your team loses, you lose the point differential. Last year, she got second place in like a $1,000 prize pool and it only paid out the top spot. So she is feeling very motivated this year to go get that dub. And me, of course, every single year want to secure that bag. So watching bowl games in South Florida, that's the name of the game. And I would love to meet up with as many of you guys as we possibly can. And on that thought, let's jump now back into the Twitter mailbag. You guys put the questions in here. I respond to them here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. This one comes in from Gabriel Gonzalez at GabrielG31. What evidence is there that Chris Greer won't pull a Jeff Ireland with his, quote, picks and money, end quote? Well, I would answer that question with a question to you. What evidence is there that he will do that? I mean, I guess I just don't understand that approach as a fan. I understand being, you know, tempering your expectations and all that stuff, but FAN stands for fanatic. And if you don't have hope, then what the hell is the point? That's that's how I view sports in general. Like I'm going to look at the optimistic side and take that approach and try to see how that vision works out. And if it doesn't work out, what do I lose from that? I don't lose anything by putting my hopes into a sports team that I can't control. I just don't see the point in being negative and thinking the worst that could possibly happen with the team. Yeah, that might happen. And if it does, it sucks. But what good do you get out of tempering your expectations and allowing yourself to be set up for failure. I think that Chris Greer, Reggie McKenzie, Marvin Allen, the entire front office has earned the right for us to trust them because they've made a bunch of good deals on good value and capitalized on that market value all season long. Yeah, they missed with Ryan Tannehill, for instance, getting traded, but all you guys wanted Ryan Tannehill out the door anyway, so we can't complain too much about that. I just think trust first and if it fails, oh well, move on to the next because what do you have to lose if you do that? Next question here from Tim Large at tim underscore large. Are there any veteran running backs that you think would kick we should kick the tires on this offseason? I think you pretty much have to look at whoever might be cheap out there because I don't think this team's gonna go out and spend, for instance, on a Melvin Gordon or a Derrick Henry, probably your top two options there. Maybe they kick the tires on Austin Eckler in Los Angeles because he is a perfect fit for the scheme, but I wouldn't expect them to pay him a crazy amount of money, and wouldn't the Chargers just match at that point? So I think you look at guys like Chris Thompson, for instance, in Washington, a pass-catching back who doesn't have a whole lot of value on the open market. You could get him for cheap. Maybe a Theo Reddick. I know he's kind of ran this course in the NFL at this point, but those types of players are who you're looking at. Maybe Carlos Hyde from Houston. It's got to be low-end guys that are not going to cost you any money and can contribute in- in the passing game, maybe Kareem Hunt. I doubt they will because of his history and past and Steven Ross just doesn't stand for that kind of stuff. Maybe you bring Kenyon Drake back. Not going to happen, but that's kind of the idea, cheap running backs that can catch the football. Next one here from Steven Robertson at the Only Beaver on Twitter. Do we take all three first-round picks this year, or do we trade them, and would that be Tua a dependent? I think to assume that this team is going to stand pat on draft picks would be short-sighted because the Patriots for so many years, and that's the model Stephen Ross wants, right? He wants to trade back, accumulate picks, and continually restock the cupboard. It's not just about this season. And even back to the article I referenced on the Miami Herald, Stephen Ross had a very A very admirable quote in that piece saying that he doesn't want to just set this team up to win for his time here. He wants the Dolphins to be successful long after he's gone. And so he has this mindset of trying to create a system that restocks itself. And the big way you do that, the best way to do that is to continuously trade down and restock your draft picks. It allows you to manipulate the draft board as much as anybody else in the league, like what Baltimore, Seattle, and New England have done for so many years. And now with all these picks, with 14 picks this year, they are in a position to continuously do that year after year. So to answer your question shortly, I think they will definitely trade down at some point and acquire more draft picks. As far as Tua... I don't think it matters one way or the other if he's there. They want to find a way to get more draft picks and have 10 picks or more every single year. That's what Steven Ross wanted back in the famed Lamar Jackson draft with Minga Fitzpatrick. That's what he wants now, and that's what he's going to get now with this new mode of operation in Miami. Next question here from Gulf Coast Dolphin He's at Gulf Coast Dolphin on Twitter. Hey, Travis, devoted listener. Thank you very much. I had a question about next offseason. If we draft the players say you picked, what kind of record are we looking at next year? That's, you know, you're asking me to really pat myself on the back and I don't mind doing that from time to time and I think my drafting record the last couple of years really speaks for itself. So in thinking that, I think that in 2020, regardless of what happens this offseason, it might not be an all-in, push all the chips to the middle of the table. Yeah, they'll be aggressive, and they'll sign some free agents, and they'll get a bunch of premium draft picks in the process, but I don't think that 2020 is the ultimate end vision for this team. There are still many, many holes on this roster, and while I think coaching with a better roster could give you six or seven wins, I think to expect more than that is probably a little bit ambitious in terms of how far away this team is on the rebuild. Now, could this team be 7-9 and nine with victories over the Patriots or a big road game, they get a W in, but they have some letdowns along the way? I think that's very, very possible and I think you could get a 7-win team but not in the way of an Adam Gay 7-win team where you win three of those games because the opposition missed field goals or threw you pick sixes, but because you legitimately competed against good teams and put forth a good effort and don't have a crazy negative point differential, a 7-9 and nine team that has the most upward mobility in the league and is projected as a team in 2021 to make a serious run not just at the playoffs not just at the AFC East but to win some games in January I think that's the goal so next season with my draft picks and my mode or my projections for as far as free agency goes and how this roster is built I'll say seven wins And I think that's a great spot to end the podcast. Let's go ahead and button this thing up and get out of here for the weekend. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday night for a recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.